Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today, we decided to have our senior resume writer from the Resume Rescue, Allison Whitehead, as a guest. We figured with all of the conflicting information online, in the media, from your friends and family, and everywhere else, that we wanted to give you a true insight into what's actually going on in the market. So today, Allison and I, we'll see how this goes, but we're just gonna we're just gonna come at you with some rants and some everything else of what we're seeing. So Allison, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. We get asked this all the time. What common mistakes are we seeing on resumes or things that are just like, what the hell? Yeah, so I think people's biggest issue on their resumes is they're putting a lot of information about what they do day to day, which is important. However, they're not saying anything result oriented. So I like to put things on resumes that say, I did this resulting in this, or I did this to do this, like a situation result, kind of like the STAR method, but on your resume, that seems to be the way to do it. I feel like people are just putting a lot of general information that you see in job descriptions and nothing important to what they're actually doing. Well, and it's so true because, yeah, what does client relations mean? Like, did you work with 10 clients? Do you work with 10,000 clients? Like, that is a very big differentiator. Mm -hmm. Even the simplest of things of just like, don't put a picture on your resume. We've been seeing, I feel like, a few more of those than usual lately. Yeah, I agree. Why don't we want to put pictures on our resume? Because it can cause bias. And even though we like to think that there is not bias in the world, there is. So please don't put your picture on your resume. (laughs) Shouting it from the rooftops. No freaking pictures. And there's LinkedIn. Like, someone wants to look up what you look like, go to freaking LinkedIn. Yeah. Something else, we've had so many bad formats lately. Mm -hmm. And what we mean by bad formats is just boxes. Those don't go through an applicant tracking system or you don't even really have to be fancy with it. Like simplification, you want to add a little zhuzh color and a little like dimension to it, which is what we do. Great. But these freaking like four columns and all of this comes together. It doesn't work. I agree. I hate it. I hate seeing that. And I always try to tell people, you know, family members, friends, anybody who asks me about formatting or anything like that. I just tell them to make it simple. You don't need to do anything crazy. Just zhuzh it up a little, you know? A little zhuzhin, exactly. All you need. How it works in an applicant tracking system is you need to have it in Word or PDF, nothing else, because if you have it in pages, like pages does not work. It won't even work for us. Like when we get clients with pages, I'm like, I can't literally view this. So can't open it. Can't open it. Can't do it. Because you have to think about, too, most people are not operating off Macs. If you're using Pages, you're applying to a company that doesn't have a Mac, yeah, not getting viewed. And you, of course, hired, too. But I, if someone applied online and it came up in like that Wingdings font or symbols, I threw them away. Yes. Yes. The Wingdings. I agree. I did the same thing. Well, because it's like you get so many freaking applications. You're limited in time because and you had your normal tasks, let alone doing more right. during you were doing. Right. We have to, all the time in the world to do that. Mm-hmm. That's true. You just got to make it easy peasy for the hiring manager or your Audi. <laughs> your Audi. Heard it here first. Heard it here first. In something else I'm noticing on consultations, and for those of you listening, Allison does all of our writing from resume writing, cover letters, bios, all that good stuff. And I do more of our coaching. So interview prep, career coaching, LinkedIn coaching, and everything like that in our free consultations, but I'm seeing a lack of confidence. Mm -hmm. 
it's just been, I don't know what I can transition into. My experience sucks. This sucks. Yeah. It's just so interesting. And I feel people like it's less taboo to talk about your job. And obviously you and our other employees like feel empowered to talk about their job. But it's still, I feel almost like a problem of, I don't know. I don't know what I can do. And I don't know how this translates. And I can't apply to the job because I'm not 100% fit and blah, 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 blah. It's just like apply to the freaking job. Mm-hmm. I think you shared this story the first time you came on the podcast. What was going through your head when you saw the opening for a resume writer? Because I want you to tell that story again because it is super important to hear. So when I first saw it, I was like, this isn't real. This is fake. Mostly because I had only worked for bigger corporations. I had never worked for as small of a company as we are. So I, I was like, this can't be real. This isn't a real job. But, you know, even going through that job description, I remember looking at it and saying, I don't even do this type of writing in my current job. You know, I did content creation here and there for like marketing and sales, but I didn't do anything to this magnitude um, unless it was in college when I had, you know, my journalism classes. But even that was so much different. So my thought process going through it was, okay, I'm going to apply, see what happens. At that point, I had another offer on the table. And I remember telling my mom that night, I was like, I'm not going to say yes to this offer. I'm going to say no. And she was like, why? And I said, I'm feeling good about the resume writing job. And I can't remember if I had talked to you guys yet or not at that point. But I just remember like something in me was like, something's going to happen here. So like, trust your gut, right? That's the first thing. We always say that. So trust your gut. And no, you don't have to be 100% fit for the role. Because if I was just getting into a role that I had done before, I'm not really making any progress. But here we are. Here we are. Here we are almost two years later. Wow. Crazy. It is interesting that you still saw like where your value was and like, oh, yeah, I feel like I could do this if I'm trained on it. And Mm -hmm. it did work out, obviously. And people still hire off personalities. Like I've told this story five million times, but you were the knock out of the park with personality hire and you have exceeded every expectation. So thanks. And it's just like a good company will train you and help you develop those skills. Like I think a lot of people feel like you're going to get thrown to the wolves. Like you get a job like, oh, not getting any training. Does that happen sometimes? Sure. But you can realistically, I feel like imply that you're going to get some sort of training, not just thrown out there to do it. Yeah, no, for sure. And even when it comes to my old jobs that I've had when I was in like a leadership position, there were a lot of people that I hired strictly because I liked how they vibed with me. Like I felt like They really got along with the team. I got along with them. And I was like, this is going to work out. And sure, they didn't know the ins and outs of like our internal systems. But who knows that going in, right? So it it all just comes down to training because you can train anybody on those types of things. But when it comes to a personality or just somebody's ability to learn other things, you can't always teach that. So all depends on the person. It really does. Mm -hmm. Now, a true or false for you. Do you have to stay in the same career path you obtained your degree in and or your experience you've had so far? Um, No, absolutely not. I feel like I haven't really stayed in it either based on the sales and marketing. I don't do sales and marketing anymore, right? And I just think as long as you have some sort of transferable skills, you'll be fine. Every job has transferable skills that are beneficial in another industry. 
Like my brother graduated with a degree in photography. I mean, he still does it on the side, but he's working in a manufacturing environment and he's making really good money with that. And the jobs that he had before, those skills still applied to what he's doing now. Sure, not 100%, but a little bit of it. It's, it's all the transferable skills that you have in one job and they go to another. Well, and people are always shocked. They're like, what do you mean you have two psychology degrees? Because I technically do, but it does help. I mean, getting in people's heads about career coaching and I play therapist sometimes, but it's so true. And it's just some of them are transferable, some aren't, but... I have a friend with a degree in, oh my gosh, what is it in? It's neuroscience and he's a Java developer. Oh, perfect. Yep. Like completely different. And there's different situations too. I mean, and how at 18 years old, you're supposed to pick out what you want to do for the rest of your freaking life. I don't understand because no, mm -hmm. but that's another topic for another podcast with our education system and how lovely it is, but you can. And what I always like to tell people too is you don't know where the hiring manager came from. Right. Which we love. Like, I loved your experience in management and working. I don't even know what, what would, what industry would you consider the Y and the other companies you've worked for? Um, nonprofit for the Y. The other companies were like, oh God, entertainment, event. Entertainment. Yeah. Family entertainment. I feel like it's a good. Yeah. I love that because I worked my whole career prior to being a recruiter. I worked in restaurants or was all very like client facing. And I was like, oh, you work in those, for lack of better term, shit show environments because you have to put out every freaking fire possible. Then you yeah. can do this job. No problem. And I did yeah. prefer you for that experience and probably not something you would have thought about when you applied. Right. No, for sure. I, I totally agree with that. And even when it comes to our clients now, I feel like a lot of people that I've talked to Someone recently in the last month or so had told me, oh, you know, my experience doesn't align with this or I don't have a background in this. And I'm like, ma'am, you've worked with clients. You'll be good, right? Having somebody who can just work with clients is really important in a lot of different industries and a lot of different fields. So people really don't think about that when they're applying. And it's also really, really, it's a big thing with people to put themselves down. That's just, that's, that's our way of thinking, you know, and as unfortunate as it is, you don't want to do it, but people do. And your harshest critic is always yourself. So when you apply for a job, if you don't think that you're 100% fit for it, still do it because all of your experience is a culmination of what you've learned. And when you go into a new job, that's just building on that experience, so on and so forth. So go for it, do it. Well, and even teachers, because we've been obviously with the pandemic over the last few years, we've had quite a few teacher resumes, principals, administrators and whatnot. But mm -hmm. it's always the same thing, at least on the resume sessions I've done. It's like, well, you know, I could just go into training and development and I just need to do that. Like, that's where I'm pigeonholed. And I'm like, you have conflict resolution running a classroom. You have curriculum development. You have operations management, like you do a lot of things that you need to do, but it's so hard and you're never taught this. It's like if you do decide to go to college, you stay this route. This is what your degrees and these are your options. You're going to make so much money, but nobody's going to tell you how to get there, how to do it. But right. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, this is a mistake. Yeah. Do you ever have that when you graduated? Like the wow, adulthood sucks and this is not where I thought I'd be. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm on like my third quarter life crisis. So. Oh, we love that. Same. We're all there. It's fine. <laughs> um, no, I was totally there because I had gone through a point where I changed my major from journalism to communication. And I remember when I did that, I said, OK, you know, with changing this, I'll have more of a broad degree. But with having more of a broad degree, that also, I wouldn't say limited me, but it definitely made me just so vastly aware of how many routes I could go and how it was hard to really pinpoint what I wanted to do. And then again, how am I supposed to know what I want to do? I graduated when I was 22, 23. You know, people don't know that. We, we work with people in their 40s who are still like, I'm not really sure what I want to do. Right. And that can change. So nobody prepares you for it. It's just the lovely path of adulthood. It really is. And you don't even know how many, I mean, you know now being in this industry, but I remember when I got into recruiting, I'm like, a what? A what? Like yours, I know, is the scrum master story that you were like, what a karate person? And I was like, no, nope. a little different than that. the six sigma green belt. I'm like, karate? Yeah, it's that the green belt. That's what it was. Yeah. Yes, I misspoke. But there's so many career options. Like I didn't know what the health supply chain was mm -hmm. or just even thinking about like every product you have has a marketing team, has a development team has testers. I mean, when I hired for Microsoft's like Halo team, I never thought that there's visual artists like people who create the actual video game. Like there's someone that develops like the trees in Animal Crossing. There's someone that yeah. develops like the language in Animal Crossing and all these other games. I'm like, I never thought about that, but it's crazy. And if you're lucky enough to know what you wanted to do when you're younger and you end up doing that, good for you. But of most people, I would say don't. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I think you know this. I have a friend who is in social work. Um, she graduated with a social work degree and recently took a job as a Spanish teacher. Oh, I don't think you told me this. Yeah, so interesting. Social worker to Spanish teacher. And any person, I think, would look at that and say that those don't align. But there's a lot of things she did in social work, conflict resolution, you know, communication in general, things like that. Classroom management to a degree. I mean, obviously, you're not managing classrooms as a social worker, but like just management to a degree. And that translated over to her in her uh, teaching role. So fun. You can make that transition. Will it take some time and effort? Well, yeah, absolutely. It's not a walk in the park, but you can do it if you're tailoring your resume, if you're networking, if you're doing all the right things. Mm -hmm. Shoot, a freaking referral still gets your foot in the door somewhere. So yes, keep doing that, sure. right? Mm -hmm. Now, what percentage of a fit should you be for the role when you're applying for it? 60. I'm going to say it. 60. You only have to be 60% fit for the role you're applying for. So earlier I had said that if I was to get into another sales and marketing job where I'm doing all of the same things that I was doing, it's just a lateral move, right? There's no growth. So you only have to be 60% fit for the role or you're just making a lateral move. You still want to grow, right? Don't want to add to your your expertise, your experience. So apply, just apply. Because why even be your own worst enemy? Like, let them tell you no then. Exactly. Like I said, we're our own worst enemies and we're our harshest critics. So we're going to tell ourselves not to do things. We're going to talk ourselves out of things. Our anxiety is going to tell us not to. But at the end of the day, if you want any growth, you have to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I love when people push back on me. And we haven't had it knock on wood lately, but most of the time when they come back, they're like, oh, wait, you were right. That is true. Isn't that the greatest? 
It is the greatest. But and what we mean by 60% fit is I would say most job descriptions have like the BS overview of like, here are the resume rescue. We are empowered and blah, blah, blah. And then they go into responsibilities, which that's what your day-to-day life will look like. You don't have mm-hmm. to have 100% of those. Where you want the 60% is qualifications. That's what you want. That small section. And what I like to tell people is they have, I mean, I would say a decent amount of jobs have like the preferred qualifications. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have any of them. Not a single one. Nope. Because what happens, and this is speaking from my recruiting experience, is hiring managers want the moon and the stars. I always like to say they want a god on shepherd's pay. But to get god, there's not that many. Like, there's not Ooh. five million of them is kind of my reference. Like, I, I read somewhere and I was like, wow, that is so true. What you have to scale back on is you have to come up with certain criteria you need. So, for example, if we're hiring someone right now or in the Q1 of next year, we want ideally someone with CRM experience. Mm-hmm. We could put, hey, we want someone with Zoho experience because that's what we use. Yeah. But that's going to tailor down our pool a lot. Right. So we put preferred Zoho experience, but mm-hmm. it's not going to disqualify you because the CRM is a CRM. It's just yeah. different functionalities where things are. But not to rant about this, but we're going down it. And the issue is a lot of these companies, and I don't know if you face this too, Allison, but a lot of times HR writes job descriptions that they're not involved in the day to day. Mm -hmm. Or if you work for a large enterprise company that has multiple locations, they may use, oh, we're going to use the same job description from Royal Oak, Michigan up to Mountain View, California, when it's not at all the same or there's different aspects of the job, but they're lazy and do not change it. Yeah. So difficult to go through and understand that. But transitioning on that topic, I mean, if you're ever unsure on what the company wants, I mean, use LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. You can literally look at who works for the company currently, what their background is, and maybe find your boss and slide into their DMs and make an impression. Networking. It's like that SpongeBob, like networking. Um, What is that? The rainbow. What does the episode say? Oh, my gosh. What is it? Like friendship or? I don't remember. Oh my gosh, Dan would know because he's a SpongeBob freak. But I want to transition our conversation to even go further on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. What's been interesting, and I feel like you and Destiny have had this happen a few times, people have reached out that either you previously worked with or knew you previously, college, high school, whatever, that saw where you worked on LinkedIn. Yeah. And I'm not throwing you under the bus, but you're not like, obviously, I'm the obnoxious one with posting, but It's interesting because, you know, you post here and there, but it's not like you're religiously on the platform. Right. What I want to talk about is I honestly do envision a future where we use LinkedIn to make hiring decisions instead of a traditional resume. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that we're getting to the point where everything's so digital, right? Because future that, you know, my boyfriend Ian and all of his friends, they're really into like having their own social channels or their own websites where their portfolios live and GitHub and all these companies like that, all these software as a service companies. I don't think software as a service is correct for LinkedIn, but things like that that are digital and they're not a paper copy. um, That's becoming really big. We did an event a month or so ago where people came in and were showing us the resumes. We were doing some critiques and I had a few people who had it on their phone because they had it on an online platform. 
So I definitely envision LinkedIn becoming the sole provider of resumes at one point or another. It is interesting. And I love that Ian and his friends all have their GitHubs and portfolios because it's true. I mean, I loved when anyone I hired that was technical had those going. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, this is an example of your work. Like no bullet points on your resume can showcase that. And especially if you're in Mm -hmm. marketing, I mean, anything creative, graphic design. I mean, if you have examples of your work, that's what's going to sell someone versus a traditional resume. And not that we hate resumes because we obviously don't being a part of the resume rescue. We write a little bit. But it is the future. And that's something yeah. we're tracking, we're thinking of, and maybe even moving towards infographic resumes. Not right now. We do not recommend them at this point. <laughs> but in the future, that could be where it goes into. Or mm-hmm. something interesting that, well, now we have is like our QR codes on our business cards, which I never thought about, mm-hmm. which is crazy. I know. I love it. My mom is making a shameless plug for my mother right now. She's making her own candle company. Love it for her. But I told her that when she makes her business cards that she needs to have a QR code on them because we did it. And I thought that was beneficial. So yes, it's definitely a thing that we're going to be seeing forever. And I also think that LinkedIn and other platforms that are digital are really good for people who are transitioning or being promoted into new roles within one company. Because a lot of the time when you apply for those jobs, the person's like, nope, you don't even need a resume. Or, oh, we want just information about your past achievements within your role. So it's a different type of way to look at a resume, but it's still relevant. Right. No, that is such a great point to bring up, too, because we've even had a lot of people that have never had a resume or like you just Mm -hmm. said, just get promoted or just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And if you at least keep it, and I feel like they're easier to update, like so much easier to update your LinkedIn or throw it in a portfolio or like if I were to ever, I don't know, take on a consulting gig on marketing for whatever, TikTok, we'll just say. It's like, okay, we'll go look at my newsfeed and go look at the numbers and impressions. Like it speaks for itself. I don't have to like sell you on it, like data talks. Mm -hmm. Now, a part of this, of course, with networking as we're continuing down that path, Now, I forced, well, I wouldn't say I forced you, like you said, yes, so I didn't force you, but I've kind of brought you into like this networking space, us Mm -hmm. doing the Diversity Expo in Royal Oak with other chambers and groups, other people you've met through me and everything like that. But what's been your experience with networking or kind of coming from, you know, where you worked prior to the Resume Rescue and you could you could be unfiltered here if you're like, fucking hate it. That's OK, too. But what's been kind of your thought? And I actually don't know the answer to this question, so I'm intrigued to hear it, Allison. But what's been your thought with networking since you've worked at the Resume Rescue? So it's definitely a different space doing it here than it ever was in my old roles. And the reason that is, is because we work in the professional service industry, right? The career coaching type industry. And that's so different than when I was at an entertainment venue, when I was at a nonprofit, that networking is so different. Um, And the reason I think it's beneficial for us is it opens us up to a lot of different clients. It opens us up to a lot of different companies that might need our service with like a partnership. So although sometimes it's not my favorite thing in the world, mostly because I do not like to get ready and leave my home, I still think it's beneficial. So, you know, for the Diversity Expo, for example, we did that, what, in the summer, right? Yes. 
when we did that, I remember talking to so many different people who were business owners who were just asking about our services as business owners. And it's funny because now we've had a steady stream of like business owners over the past few months that have come in to do services with us. Um, and it's things that people, not just business owners, but just like people we meet at these events, sometimes aren't going there to be opened up to the opportunity to update their resume or their LinkedIn or get career coaching or anything like that. But just meeting with us kind of opens them up to that. And I think a lot of it has to do with like our personality too. Again, shameless plug. We're just so good at talking to people. We're cool as fuck. Yeah, we're Mm -hmm. so cool. And I think that they're just kind of drawn in by that, which is good, right? That's the purpose of networking. But it's been a lot more beneficial here in the industry we're in than I feel like it ever was in any other role that I've had. I've been asked a few times, they're like, well, why are you a part of networking groups? Like you're with entrepreneurs and other people who are employed. Like there's no way you get business. It's like, well, yeah, I'm not in it for those people, but those people know people who know people. And that's where Mm -hmm. we get so many referrals that we're shamelessly rolling out a referral program here shortly. But yeah, actually, by the time this goes out, it should probably be rolled out. Probably. I want to kind of talk about because we keep getting asked what's going on with the market, this recession's going on, what do we see, and kind of what our projections are. And Allison, you've been with me during the whole pandemic. Well, Destiny more so during the entire pandemic, but you came in February of 21? 21, yeah. So the interesting thing is we've been steady We always thought like, oh, usually August is our busy time. Like August, September, people are going back to school, like kids are back in school. People are sitting down, summer's over, but that didn't happen for us. We were, I Mm -hmm. think our slowest month this year was actually September when that's been our busiest month. And funny enough, I mean, November slowed down a little bit with the holiday, but October was insanity. Mm -hmm. And it's just so interesting for us. And I feel what's happening with these companies is they waited. I mean, we were having conversations, what? It felt like every day with clients who are like, what am I doing wrong? Like, I'm not getting feedback. The process is taking a month or two months. Or we had, I forget his name, but he had, what was it, like nine rounds of interviews or something ridiculous? Oh, yeah. Because I think companies were afraid of what was the future and, oh, we got to save money. We don't want to lay people off. But now it is hiring and it is happening. Mm-hmm. Now, the elephant in the room to address is layoffs. Mm-hmm. We, I don't know if you saw it today, but DoorDash laid off 1,500 employees. Yeah. Now, I know I'm lecturing here, but do you have your thoughts on it? You want me to share mine? You share yours and then I'll go. So with these big companies that are doing mass layoffs, Twitter, I mean, that was a whole Elon thing, like buying mm. it out, like that was its own shit show. But for DoorDash, for all these other Carvana, like these big companies, what happened during the pandemic is They had a huge uptick in business. You couldn't go anywhere. So would you do your DoorDash, right? Mm -hmm. Or couldn't go to a car dealership. Would you do? You did Carvana. So what these companies did, Amazon too, they hired thousands of employees at the time because they needed to support the growth. Well, then when things started opening up, DoorDash isn't as popular. Carvana, like a lot of people do prefer to go in store. Like there have been multiple studies done to feel your car and test the car you're going to buy. So now they're being forced to lay people off. Mm -hmm. This is nothing that is new. Right. In my opinion, this is to combat all the people that were hired in the meantime Mm -hmm. are now getting laid off. Or unfortunately, like talent acquisition and recruiters are the first to go because you're not hiring. You don't need all these people. And 
the ones I saw on DoorDash on LinkedIn today were all talent acquisition, sourcers, yeah. and that type of deal. But is it still a great time to look? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are in a recession. People can say what they want. Like, we're in a recession right now. Ask your financial advisor. They will tell you this. Mm-hmm. But it's not the recession like we had in 08, 09. It is yeah. not the same recession. Yeah, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. Market's still great to look for a job. You have the opportunity if you have a consulting business, like now is the time to shine. I love that your mom's starting her own business. Mm-hmm. Like I love Denise. But it's such a great time to look yeah. and just develop the skills. I mean, you could use LinkedIn Learning. You could use Coursera. You can do all of these skills online. Your personal skills, they work. I mean, we were talking about this. I don't think it was with Destiny. I think it was with Team. But all the tools we've learned and use, it's insane. Like mm-hmm. I went through and updated my resume to start using as an example instead of having to take off people's information, like just use mine. Mm-hmm. And I sat down and listed like all the programs we use and what we've learned. And I'm like, this is just insane to me. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of info. And I, I think, too, when it comes to like being afraid of being laid off for a session, all that. Just make sure you continuously update your info, right? You don't want to go back five years, 10 years later and try to remember the revenue that you generated for your company, right? Just like keep a list to the side, keep a little notebook, note your phone, whatever works for you. And put that information in there whenever it comes up, whenever you do a big implementation, whenever you strategically plan something, anything like that, just do it. And it's funny too, because my dad had worked in carpentry his whole life. and you know, 07, 08, 09, he was laid off for a very, very long time. And, you know, that's still something up until his current job that he's been in for a while now, that had always been something that was a fear of his is just being laid off. And there was one point where he went back to school and he was going to become a teacher because he's like, this is something consistent. I know he was going to be a woodshop teacher. Oh, I so can see that. Oh, me too. Me too. Alan could be a great woodshop teacher. He didn't do it. It never happened. But um, that was kind of his thought process. He was like, I can do this because that's something I have experience in. So, you know, although it didn't work out on my dad's end, he's still in a carpentry type of job now. Um, Luckily, that's been working out in his favor in his current role. But this is another example of how your skills in one job can translate to another. So, you know, maybe not every single person wants to be a teacher, you know, based on their current job, they don't maybe want to go into teaching, but something that is consistent. And it, it's so unfortunate that there are industries where it's just prevalent that they'll be laid off first, right? We're right. seeing that so much in the mortgage industry right now, people who are in recruiting, uh, human resources, people in carpentry. And it, it sucks because you don't necessarily want to say, oh, I'm staying away from jobs like that because of that. That's definitely not the route we want to go. But it also just shows how much what you do in those roles can be prevalent in other industries, too. Absolutely. Now, one thing we also I always, as you know, that you listen to the podcast. And that was also honestly really good advice to give. But I was going to ask you, what advice do you have for listeners, personal, professional, anything? Um, one, get out of your shit jobs that you don't like. Okay, stop going home and crying. Stop crying on Sunday nights. We don't want this. You have to go home and make yourself a nice Alfredo pasta dish with some wine and enjoy your night and not be afraid of the next day. 
I mean, sure, there's definitely times, especially when we're busier, where I'm like, I will get off and I'll, I'll still be a little bit stressed because of the day, but it's nothing that I feel like is unhealthy, right? Because right. you yourself know what's healthy and unhealthy in your work. You know what's toxic and not. And although there are things that you won't always love in your job, you know better than anybody what's good for you and what's not. And if a job is starting to cause you any sort of mental stress, you just need to get out of it. Not good for you at all. And now is, like you said, a great time to look. Don't wait for the new year because there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be applying at the new year. So if you get yourself in now, there's a lot of companies that are making like those seasonal hires and a lot of people can become full time after that. So do it. Stop waiting around for the right opportunity because it's now. That's my advice. Oh, incredible. Amazing. Love it. Now, if you want to connect with Allison or learn more about what she does or see her crying at Justin Bieber concerts. Oh, my God. Yes. The best. Ask her what her Slack picture is because it's beautiful. But it's me crying at Justin Bieber. It is. It's beautiful. We love it. But Allison, this was so much fun. We're now going to be doing this. I think we decided monthly or quarterly. So mm -hmm. you can look out for these updates a little further on what's going on, what's happening. And thank you, Allison, for being on. And tune in next week for another episode of That's Business. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.